It's a cold Tuesday night here in New York, but the Rumble in the Garden podcast continues on in sickness or in health. In, I don't know, I've got too much stuff going on to really tell you what's going on. But we do have a podcast, and this is the Rumble in the Garden, bringing you some news, some notes, and an interview with Mike Hopkins from PCBB 1917 on the Providence Friars, their toughness, and some issues that they've had uh, in non-conference play. St. John's will be playing the Providence Friars on Thursday night at Karnaseka Arena at 7 p.m. with the Friars hoping to make a statement of how tough they can be. Um, me and my tissue box and our crew will be covering that game, of course, but we also have some other news about the new recruit, Jerron Brooks. We have other news and notes, and we have a listener question about the future. First, remember to leave a quick review or rating of the Rumble in the Garden podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. It helps us get noticed, which helps us do more on the podcast front. And now, three big things for St. John's. First, Shamari Pons was selected for a sixth straight Big East Honor Roll Award, an award shouting out the top six individual impact players in the league and a top freshman. Kudos to Shamori Pons. This is looking like he's going to make a space on the uh, Big East, uh, on the all Big East team at the end of the season. Second, St. John's knocked off the St. Joseph's Hawks at the Mohegan Sun Arena uh, at the Hoopal Classic. Um, it was a tough game. It was a strange game, and uh, there was a lot of shooting in the first half, but in the second half, St. John's strapped it on and pulled out the win in the end, in the last five minutes. And the most important, or possibly most important news, is that the Johnnies got a commitment from Washington guard Jerron Brooks, a 6'8 forward currently living in Seattle. He's originally from uh, San Diego, I believe. He's got a lot of post-scoring skills and was committed, pre- previously committed to Southern California. But then they had their issues with the FBI investigation, and lo and behold, players don't want to play under an FBI investigation. But he's come from L.A. to New York, and he should be getting major minutes next year in the post, adding some scoring. Um, And it should be pretty good, a pretty good addition. He's a top 75, top 80 uh, forward. And I know that a lot of players, a lot of people have, uh, are wondering about what that's going to look like with a roster that actually has 13 available scholarship players. Brooks will be joined by Josh Roberts, and he'll be joined by Greg Williams. Williams is a guard from Louisiana, from uh, Baton Rouge, or from Latin, Lafayette, sorry. And um, Roberts is a forward from Troy, Alabama originally, but now playing at Montverde for his uh, post-grad year. Some on Twitter and Facebook have... Where you follow us, right? You, you, you told your friends to follow us, right? I, I assume so. Remember, we're on Facebook and, and, uh, and, and Twitter. So some people on Facebook and Twitter have been talking all kinds of crazy things like players transferring because they won't get enough playing time or you know, things like that. And we think that, yes, some players will have limited playing time. And that what, that's what happens at a good program as players learn how to play. Younger players sit on the bench for a, little, a long time. You know, think of Joey Brunk at uh, Butler, though he still isn't getting a lot of time. 
Um, but besides Marcus Levette, who thought about going pro, likely in Europe, we don't see any pre- players with pressure to leave. Um, the team gets along well. They seem to hang out together. Um, Nexus team has a chance to really make a, a, a national impact, maybe go deep into the tournament, which does attract some attention. It doesn't pay the bills, but you know, transferring to you know a lower level college doesn't really pay the bills either. They get to stay in New York and meet and meet NBA players. You get tutelage from Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond, and I do think that there is an effect where players are learning. Some things, you know, players who came in with a certain reputation have co- have turned into a cohesive unit. I think that a lot of players are happy where they are. And even players like Kasum Yakwe, who don't play a lot, uh, he's carved out a role as a, a fill-in forward who can do a little bit of everything. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think that that's a real worry for St. John's. But, you know, somebody might leave. Somebody might not leave. Somebody might redshirt. We'll see. If you have a different take or a comment, please email us at rumblingthegarden at gmail.com or leave us a message on Facebook. Now, let's get into some conversation with Mike Hopkins from PCBB. <clears throat> This is Norman from Rumble in the Garden. We have on with us Mike Hopkins from PCBB 1917. What does the 1917 stand for again? That is the year the college was founded, actually. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Providence and the struggles they've had heading into, uh, into Big East play. Um, is there anything you want to plug uh, from PCBB right now? Like anything that, that people should, should listen to? You know, how to find you on uh, Twitter, how to find you on uh, other places on the internet? Yeah, so we, uh, the website, PCBB1917.com, Twitter at PCBB1917. And we have the Providence Friarcast uh, podcast that comes out uh, once a week. And we'll be out next week doing some St. John's and, and Creighton stuff. So people can check that out on iTunes. And for those out there who are interested in recruiting, Mike does uh, some pretty good work on recruiting in the Northeast, and uh, he's been a, a guy who often has some interesting knowledge about some of uh, the up-and-coming players. So you probably want to follow PCBB at some point. But right now we're going to talk about St. John's. They're heading into um, Big East play uh, starting on Wednesday evening at Carneseca Arena against the Providence Friars. The Friars have, uh, how many years have they been in the, in the uh, NCAA tournament now? Four in a row. It's Four a school record. Um, and Ed Cooley has really established, a, you know, kind of a brand for a, a team and a program, if you, if you don't mind my saying so. You know, certainly was uh, struggling to appear as like a top-tier program. I think they, the switch to the new format of the Big East has done a great job for them. So yep. St. John's is going to have their work cut out for him for them, but this year Providence has had a bit of a struggle. They are introducing a number of young players. They missed they uh, have lost Emmett Holt for the season and they've gone 9 and 4. But there definitely seem to be some issues within uh, within the program for Ed Cooley. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so really the, the key injury you mentioned was Emmett Holt. Uh, I think that sort of kicked off. That happened uh, early September. So that kind of kicked off uh, kind of a snowball that rolled downhill in terms of they had to kind of scramble over you know the next month and a half before the season started to kind of figure out 
what that meant for them. That meant a lot of things moving up and down, as I've been saying. Like guys like Rodney Bullock, who would play the four, have to now maybe slide up to the five a little bit. And you have some of the young freshmen, like a Nate Watson, who's entered the starting lineup the last couple of games, probably isn't ready to start at the five, but he has to right now because injuries and uh, Khalif Young as a sophomore has kind of taken a little step back maybe. But the, the key injury so far, uh, two really in terms of the in the season, um, Kyron Cartwright, who is their starting point guard, uh, he's a four-year senior. He has started, I think, more than 50 games in his career. Um, and he went down. He, he's been kind of hobbled. He, he just was playing through an ankle injury starting with the Boston College game about a month ago. And then he ended up trying to – they tried to sit him a little, uh, and that didn't really work out. And then he re-injured the ankle a couple games ago and uh, has missed – he played a little bit against Houston. He probably shouldn't have, and he missed their most recent game, closing out non-conference play. The other key injury, Alpha Diallo, another starter, mm-hmm. uh, actually a New York City guy from Harlem. So they, uh, they've missed him a lot. He's kind of a key piece. He's just a very poised player, especially for a sophomore, and he's a big part of what they do on offense. Their offense without Cartwright is bad enough, and then Diallo is one of the, one of the only guys on the team that can create his own offense for the most part. Um, and then the other injury, just to mention, is Malik White, who had been starting to come into his own a little bit as like a sixth man off the bench coming in to score. He injured his uh, his knee in the Brown game, same game that Diallo hurt his ankle. Um, Diallo has come back a little bit. He played, uh, I think, 13 minutes against Houston. Uh, Cooley smartly sat him the last time out uh, against Sacred Heart. And... I think he's expected to be pretty close to 100% uh, Diallo is for St. John's. Uh, Malik White's still a couple weeks away. Cartwright probably will play against St. John's, though. I don't know if he'll be closer to 70% or 100 So in terms of, um, I guess in, ter- in terms of, of, of the injuries, it does seem, seem like the recent injuries are really hitting the point guard play. And for Providence, you know, with a, a nice string of really strong uh, high-level passing point guards, it's got to be a real difficulty to have a Kyron Cartwright a little hobbled. Definitely, and and uh, in, in his shoes has tried to step the freshman, Micaiah Shalankford, who was a very highly talented recruit, top 40 recruit, coming out of the class of 2017 out of Brewster Academy. But he's a freshman, and he's just, you know, even Chris Dunn is a freshman. They, he, they played him at the three with Vincent Council at the one. So, uh, Micaiah Schenleifer is not ready to come in and play 35 minutes like Cartwright had been doing. And certainly once Big East play comes next week, uh, it's not going to be uh, – he's not ready to, to step into that role as of yet. Uh, he certainly has had moments where he's shined, but he's had plenty of moments where he's been a freshman, making bad bad uh, decisions, over-dribbling, taking a bad shot here or there. I mean, it's to be expected. It's not a criticism of him, but it's just that Cartwright's so important to everything that Providence does. And Ed Cooley's offense – in particular, it's critical, and it, I think in most offenses in college basketball, it's critical to have a, a good, experienced point guard. But Ed Cooley particularly treats his point guards pretty toughly, um, and relies on him quite a bit to be the coach on the floor. So, having a freshman in his place has not been um, ideal. And even like you mentioned, their nine and four record in non-conference play, they probably could have lost at least two of those other games that they won, with Cartwright hitting a buzzer beater against Belmont. And they, they barely survived against Brown and Stony Brook, even, thinking about it. Brown went to overtime. Stony Brook, they won 62-60, didn't play well at all, and were kind of bailed out by Stony Brook towards the end. And, and that a, was a that furious was a Tom Planet comeback. 
Yeah, I was going to say that was the, the Tom Planet game. Tom Planet yep. being the the longtime walk on who's, uh, well, I mean, I don't know what he does, but he did something, right? Yeah, he's well. It's, Ed Cooley kind of has done this in his tenure at Providence before with another former walk on, Ted Bancroft, using a guy like that to come in off the bench and provide energy. And for whatever reason, Cooley doesn't like to press very much, but when he puts Planick in the game, he puts him at the top of like a one-two-two, and they do press and trap. And uh, so he did that against Brown, and and they made a furious comeback, I think, from down 12 or 13 and ended up winning the game. But um, Planick, actually, to give him a little credit, he was a preferred walk-on. So he was recruited out of Chicago to be a preferred walk-on, and he did have a scholarship last year um, when they were had a couple extra ones. Ed Cooley did give him a scholarship. Also, I should mention, he graduated already and is a in his fourth year at Providence, an MBA student. Nice. Wait, yeah, I thought so Providence he, was a college. They have a they have a grad school too. Oh, we do, we do. Oh, yeah, it's uh, technically everything. Providence is a university, but they stuck with PC instead of PU. Yeah, because PU sounds you know a little gross for the kids. It does. So, with all the injuries to the backcourt, it seems like though. You know, Rodney Bullock has still been kind of a stalwart. Tell us a little bit about how he's played this year and what help he's had up front. Well, really, uh, he has picked it up the last couple of games. Of probably the two best games in a row he's played in a while. He's sort of always been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde type player where one game he'll play 30 minutes and have seven points on and go like three of 12. Uh, and then another game where like the other night against uh, Houston, he basically, I think he took 24 shots, which is too many, but they're just so depleted on offense that he had to. And even their most recent game, he went for 31, which is his season high. Um, So he's, I think in terms of looking ahead for a positive after, I think everyone was sort of a little down on how non-conference play went. The last two efforts from Rodney Bullock, very positive heading into Big East play. He sort of has been all by himself in terms of scoring the ball down low. The two big men who have played alongside and behind him are, I mentioned Nate Watson, who's a freshman, big kid, very going to be very good. He's still learning, though, especially on defense and rebounding. And then the sophomore, Khalif Young, who played a decent amount of minutes last year and dropped some weight over the summer. But he really has been underwhelming, although he did play well in uh, their most recent game. So really, uh, Bullock has been pretty much a one-man show, and the other guy that really has, I guess, been on and off helping him is Jalen Lindsay, who has played. He starts at the three, but as I mentioned in the beginning, with him and Holt going out, the lineups have shifted a little, and now you see Bullock for stretches. They go small and play him at the five with Lindsay at the four. Uh, but Lindsay primarily just a three-point shooter, certainly at this point in his career. I don't think he's ever dribbled the ball towards the basket in his entire college career. So um, Bullock has sort of been a one-man show, and – Cartwright had picked up his offense a little bit before he got hurt. So, I mean, I guess it'll be interesting to see if, if Cartwright can help on offense at all. But Bullock, to this point, I think has been, the last couple of games has been the biggest bright spot for Providence. So you talked also about, or we, we talked a little bit about the toughness issue. And tell us a little more about how Ed Cooley seems to feel about his team. Because it seems like there's a... It's not hard to see that there's a there's an emotion about how this this the, the team is playing and uh, it doesn't quite reflect his uh, his desired uh, uh, his desired squad. Yeah, I mean, obviously injuries are one thing, and that's sort of obvious to see. They you know get missing two starters, really three with them and Holt. Um, so you're, you're the, the, this expectations maybe had to be adjusted a little bit because of that, but. 
Ed Cooley himself uh, called his team out. Basically, he called them soft. He said they're mentally soft. That's why they haven't been shooting free throws well. They're not playing with the level of grit and toughness that he would like, although I think the last couple of games they've been better. Even the Houston game where they got down big, they did come back. I mean, they're, they're just depleted. It's obvious to see that in terms of talent with the injuries. But I think the last couple of games they, they maybe have gotten a little bit of the message he gave them a couple of weeks ago where he, he called them soft in a press conference. And uh, I, I don't think that he was wrong. They uh, It just seems like this, this senior class maybe isn't the same type of uh, emotional leader senior class that they've had over the last several years. I mean, you go back to like LaDante Henton, Bryce Cotton, Chris Dunn. I mean, even Kadeem Batts to a certain extent early in Cooley's career at Providence. So uh, Rodney Bullock is just not an emotional guy. He's pretty quiet, pretty laid back. Even when in interviewing him, he's, you know, he just doesn't, he's not effusive. Cartwright is a little more, has a little more personality like that and is a little louder. But I don't know that he is, as a, Cooley always mentions that he thinks Cartwright needs to believe in himself a little more. So th- there's that questionable angle. And then, so it's just, this year, this team just has a different feel. Um, and I don't think, I'm not trying to say there's like some big chemistry issue or a problem in the locker room. I don't know that that's the case. But they just don't have the same level of toughness and grit of some previous Ed Cooley teams. And obviously there's still plenty of time. And, and Cooley's teams have traditionally gotten better as January comes into February and his teams usually are peaking down the stretch. So they, they still have a chance. And as I said in my podcast last week, really they're going to have to make their money in Big East play, especially with now four losses in non-conference play. To get to 20, you're talking about 11 wins in the Big East. I don't think that's going to be anything close to easy with the way the league has been this far, this, this season in the non-conference and what it looks like going into Big East play. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that looking <coughs> – but looking at the schedule, it, you know the losses aren't bad. There's just nothing. There's nothing stand out in the in the schedule. You know, I'm I'm looking more at the at the Kim Palm. I'm sure Minnesota's RPI is pretty high, but other than that, you know, the other losses are they're not terrible, but they're not great. You know, they're teams that you're, you yeah. know Houston might make the NCAA tournament. Massachusetts and Rhode Island are are competitive. I think Rhode Island will will get even better during the year, but there's still like a you know, you know, they're they're gonna have to they're gonna want to win, and I, you know, in the same way that St. John's will also need to want to certainly be above five hundred to feel pretty good about their postseason chances. But uh, it, yeah, it's just one of, one of those schedules where it's like there's a lot of good, but not a lot of spectacular. Yeah, they've they've missed some opportunities. Certainly, that Minnesota game early in the season at home was an opportunity, but Minnesota was a different class of team that night. I mean, I was at, I was at that game. Jordan Murphy just did whatever he amazing. wanted. Providence just couldn't stop him. And then you look at uh, the, the road game at URI. It's sort of, it's a rivalry game, so you kind of have to throw that out a little bit. Although that snapped a seven game winning streak for Providence in the series. Um, and I think the only one that really you can look at as a, a quote unquote bad loss maybe is UMass. And like you said, it's they're, they're probably more of a middle of the road team. It's not like they lost to a team that's going to finish like 250 in the RPI. I mean, Minnesota, UMass will be probably in that 110 to 150 range. That good. So it's not a great loss, but it's on the road. So, you know. I think the on the road thing will will be a saving grace when it comes to uh, to the, that final determination if, you know, they're close enough to be, you know, to be a bubble team. But it's, uh, it's, it's something really interesting to watch. I mean, if I were an outsider, I'd be like, well, you know, hey, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's see, let's see how well they do. 
Um, but I think the toughness thing in particular is uh, is a really interesting thing to watch. Um, it's and it, and it's hard. It's it's hard for coaches, I think, to know their team and to know whether all the pieces work. But you know, we were writing uh, on the Rumble. We were writing a little bit about DJ Kennedy, um, who is you know playing well overseas. And every time we write about DJ Kennedy, you have to stop and think about how he was just a tough, tough player. You know, wasn't always elegant. It wasn't. He wasn't like a always a great shooter, but he was just tough. He was just tougher yep. than everybody else, and it was something that really did um, elevate the team. Yeah, and Ed Cooley actually, um, he did say when he called him soft earlier, a couple weeks ago, he did say he thinks he's been too easy on him. So to your point about it's hard for a coach to know, you know, he's still figuring it out. And um, there's a lot of new faces, a lot of p- players maybe stepping up in a role that they hadn't played in before or taking more of a leadership role. And the big thing coming into the season for Providence, the big buzzword was depth. And I think Ed Cooley struggled a lot in the beginning of the year, figuring out how to use that depth. And now he's at a point where he's had to use it because of injury. And I think he's even figuring out that whole other wrinkle of it. And where do guys fit in terms of the roles? Who should he plug in here? When this guy's doing something, do you bring in this guy? I mean, there's so many moving pieces that he's never had to deal with where he pretty much has always played six, seven, maybe eight guys in a rotation. And there's probably legitimately 10 guys on this team right now when they're healthy that um, could, could theoretically play 20 more or more minutes a game in the big East. So, I think that's been a struggle for him, too, in terms of, A, he's trying to figure out how to use his depth, and B, which guys can he maybe push certain buttons to do certain things? Like, can he be harder on one guy, but he can't be as hard on another? And I think that's part of the learning process, too, when you have some new faces and some players and new roles. Cool. And let me let me close out with this. What do you think the – how do you think that uh, Wednesday's game against St. John's will go? Well, frankly, St. John's, um, even the last couple of years when Providence was, was clearly more talented, when they are kind of rebuilding a little bit, um, I, St. John's makes me very nervous because I just don't think Providence matches up overly well. Um, I think Shamari Pons, the, I think the, the thing that sort of is an underlying thing, we've talked about the toughness, but what that relates most directly to, in my opinion, is, is defense. And Providence's defense has has not been not been as up to up to up to the standard of Ed Cooley as he'd like it to be, and I guess so. A guy like Shamari Pons, who is a guard who can pretty much do whatever he wants, it's hard. For, even a, a good defender struggles to contain him. And I don't know if Marcus Levet's going to be back. It sounds like maybe he will. But having having good guards, I think, who can create for themselves, is has always been a problem for Providence, especially with Cartwright hobbled. Um, I don't know if maybe they'll throw some extra zone that they might have not normally done because Cartwright really can't guard anybody one-on-one. He showed that against Houston the other night. Rob Gray just just went around him at, at will. So um, really the, the key, I think, is going to be whether or not Providence can somehow contain St. John's guards. And on the other end, you look at the, uh, the front court matchup, I think Tariq Owens is possibly going to be able to maybe intimidate um, – a young big guy like Nate Watson. I think right now in Kempom, Tariq Owens has the number one block percentage in America. So uh, I kind of remember him swatting a bunch of shots against Providence last year. So to me, the, and being a, a, at Karnaseka, a home game, I, I really probably, having not really delved too deeply and watched any film yet, I, I'm pretty concerned for Providence's uh, chances. I think probably St. John's wins. But again, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a crapshoot in Big East play. Uh, every game is is kind of a dogfight, and 
Providence will we'll have uh, Kyron Cartwright have about seven or eight days of rest, so hopefully that'll be to their advantage. But I certainly think that Shamari Pons and Tariq Owens probably are key players, and, and then you get guys like Marvin Clark on the wing, and that'll be an interesting matchup against maybe a Clark and a Lindsay, or um, maybe you see you see Clark on, on playing Rodney Bullock on the other end of the floor. So there, there's a lot of different angles that uh, I think if you unbalance right now, just off the top of my head, uh, I think maybe lean in St. John's favor. Cool. Well, Mike, thank you very much. Uh, I hope everybody's going to go check out PCBB 1917. And is there anything else you want to say just to close things out? No, everybody have a, have a uh, great new year and really glad that Big East is finally here. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. The, the league is once again pretty pretty even. I think even DePaul and Georgetown will be competitive. I mean, Georgetown is obviously the best team in the league. They've only got one oh, yeah. loss, and you know they're getting votes in the NCAA tournament. So I mean, obviously, Especially if you, best yeah, team, ask, right? ask Doug Dowdy about that. My my friend Doug. Who's wait, your friend Doug? What? No, he, he's he's the the Roanoke Times uh, writer who who voted uh, Georgetown in the top twenty five. Oh right now. yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's very smart. Yeah, great team. Yeah, woo. Everybody, uh, Georgetown train, you know, we can all root for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Thank you again, Mike, for coming on. Absolutely. And uh, hope everybody, everybody is having, uh, everybody on your side is having a, a great, uh, you know, holiday week. And we will catch up with you probably during the game on Twitter. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. This week, we're only going to answer one listener question, and the question is from our friends at Defens, and what they're asking is, uh, with Brooks' commitment closing out the 28 class most likely, who are the top 2019 targets for SJUBB, or St. John's? Um, That is on Twitter. Now, first, let's say, you know, a player leaves. I, I have a hard time imagining that the team won't look for another player who can fill in a gap, maybe a player who is a transfer. Because by that time, um, in June or in May or whatever, even March, I think it's hard to get a really good quality player who doesn't have some real issues. And right now they seem to have good quality guys, good character uh, players. You know, they've signed two of their players early in the season. That's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good way to go because uh, you tend to get better quality players. <coughs> So, I think first, you know, yeah, they're probably going to, you know, keep an eye on the transfer market and see what happens. But second, I think that there are a number of players in the 2019 class that uh, St. John's would love to land one way or another. Right now, um, there are three players who will be leaving after next year, Kasum Yakwe, Tariq Owens, and Marvin Clark, and that's going to be a big loss. Um... Each of them has brought some serious defensive chops um, to the team. Josh Roberts might be able to take on some of Tariq Owens' role. Uh, Jerron Brooks might be, we don't know what he is as a defender. He he has more of a reputation as a scorer. And C.D. Cata will certainly do some of that work too. And whoever gets to step in at the small forward, maybe they can also take on some of Marvin Clark's or Yaque's or, or Owens' role. But... There are a lot of players that St. John's is pretty excited about in the 2019 class, and they've been pursuing for a long time. Precious Achua, God gift Achua's little brother, who is, uh, you know, 
looking to be a top 25 player, probably will be. <clears throat> Jalen LeCue is a four-star, five-star player on the edge of a top 25, maybe even All-American player. He's a guard, <clears throat> plays down in North Carolina, but is originally from the Bronx. Um, Achua is a small forward who has got a lot of talent and is still uh, scratching the surface of what he can do. Um, Johnny's have also been looking at point guard Jalen Gaffney, a little bit undersized, but very talented. And it's a, a player that they seem to be pretty high on um, in the, that 2019 class. Um, other than that, Aiden Iguion, uh, I can't believe I forgot him because he's like our favorite 2019 recruit. He's a big, strong, aggressive uh, forward <clears throat> who loves to dunk. And uh, plays at Lawrence Woodmere Academy right now. St. John's would be lucky to get him. He's got interest from places like Virginia. Seems like you know smart, upstanding guy. Pretty much all these guys seem like they're they're pretty top notch. Um, after that, there are other players that they've been looking at. They've been looking at uh, Lester Quinones, who's a, a teammate of uh, Precious Achua over at St. Benedict's. They were looking at Scotty Lewis and uh, and what's his name, Brian Antoine. But that's a you know that's a fever dream. Joe Girard up in Glens Falls, New York, is a high-scoring player who people liken to uh, to uh, Jimmer Fredette, who is also from that area of New York, uh, a little bit above Albany when you get getting up to the Adirondacks. Uh, Jamie Jaquez, I think is that how you pronounce it, from California, is another player they've looked at. Khalil Whitney is one that they've kept an eye on. Um, other than that, I think there are, there are probably a few other players, but those are the ones who come to the top of the mind. With that, we're going to close out this episode of the Rumble in the Garden podcast. This has been Norman. Happy to have you here. Um, thank you for listening. We got a question for you, though, and you can send it into um, Facebook. You can send it in to Twitter. Uh, Rumble SBN on Twitter, Rumble in the Garden on Facebook, or you can even find us on Instagram. You can find us, um, and you can even email us, rumbleinthegarden at gmail.com. Um, I'm wondering what you're thankful for in this year, 2017. 2018 is right around the corner, and it's a good time to reflect. Um, and we're also wondering what's the best thing you've read this year. We're talking books, articles, comics, academic journals business cards i don't know you know what's the best thing you've read this year we'd love to hear what you're what you're what you've been seeing this this year uh and once again if you can please leave us a quick review or wait rating on itunes google Play, or stitcher it makes us look good and it allows other people to see that this podcast exists which is a good thing happy holidays and stay warm <laughs>